This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio. You've entered a, a world of quality humor and idiotic bumblings, but was that what you were looking for originally, or are you just in the supermarket aisle of your local grocery store? You have entered the Twilight Zone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, you remember that Dracula pitch on movie maintenance? Well, we went and turned it into a play. Starring me. Well... No, look, Gabe's in the play. Starring in the play. Well, no, you're like the fourth, maybe fifth character. You have like one scene. Two scenes, Carney. Two scenes. Maybe get your head out of your ass and read your own fucking play. <sighs> Dracula, Last Voyage of the Demeter opens April 13th. Tickets on sale now. Starring me. Welcome to this week's episode of Movie Maintenance, where some movies just need pitching. Uh, I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Joel Dushaw. I'm Sean. And this week, it's my ideal biopic... The Western Bulldogs. To clarify, this is a sports team and a sports film, and within the rest of the Sands Pants crew, not a lot of sport lovers. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I think it's just us. Yeah. Goose, Goose likes sport films, but, but is not, not as big on sports. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. Joel Zammett always forgets he likes sport, uh, but like if you just whack the cricket on in front of him and give him a cider because he doesn't drink beers, 
No judgment. Uh, <laughs> what are you drinking before, Sean? Sure. seem to have a cider over there. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll sit down and watch it. But yeah, like when it comes to like multiple sports, fuck, I could watch sport forever and be happy. No, Gabe loves sports though, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think movie maintenance in particular lacks a sporting. Like I would, I would watch every game of AFL. Yeah. Even if my team's not playing in it. Yeah. I'm... I keep track of the cricket. Yep. For clarification, I work at a sporting venue <laughs> uh, when I'm not doing this. So where the sport representation. Does Jackson know what sport is? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. No, fair. Actually, I'm pretty sure I've seen him throw a ball once and it was <laughs> awful. <laughs> well, no, let me clarify. We can't play sport. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you know, well, to be fair. All right, Sean. No, I played hockey as a young lad and did okay. all right. I, I used to play mixed netball I, I quite played, regularly. Like, did you play footy, though, back in the day? Uh, oh, do you want to know about my footballing days, mate? Mate, I played, <laughs> I played footy for a team called Garfield. Um, Were they a cat? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, they hadn't won a game. When I joined, I asked somebody stupidly. I said, um, I just I feel kind of weird because I don't know the club song. So, like, if you know, when we win and stuff, I won't know what to sing. And they just laughed. And then I realized as I played that whole season because we just never won. We, we were so shit. Okay, I was a full forward because I was Ooh. a big fella and they chucked me down forward and I thought, oh, this is going to be pretty good. I'll kick some goals. Didn't kick a goal all season. Oh, the ball wow. just didn't come down. I once got a free kick 15 metres out directly in front and I fucking panicked under the pressure. Shanked it. I shanked it. But this is how shit our team was. As I was walking off down the race, all the parents got into it, got in, like slapping you on the back and going, well done, mate. You're the future of the club and stuff like that. You kick a point. They oh. were like, oh, that's how oh. shit the team was. Wow. So, no, nah, we're, we're probably not that good at sports. No. Well, I played footy when I was in like the under-10s, under-9s team, and our team was undefeated for the season, Yeah, and I played full back. Um, so the ball never came down our end because we were that good. The ball was always forward or centre. Yeah. And even though it is under-9s and no one has positions, I was one of those kids that the, the, the umpire was like, you're full, the coach was like, you're full back. So I stayed just next to the full forwards. We were usually like lazy because the ball wasn't coming down yeah. their end. And I just stayed there. And in order to get my into the game more, my dad pulled me aside. And I was massively into dinosaurs at the time. <laughs> uh, and he wanted me to get possession. And he tells this story to everybody. But basically he goes to me, imagine you're a dinosaur, you're a velociraptor, and the football <laughs> is your prey. Go after your prey. And the idea was that I was going to get the ball and he was finally going to see his son get a touch at footy. And we go to the next game and dad's watching the game. And of course, being under nines, everyone's all over the place. So all the kids are down one end of the ground and he looks and there I am at full back walking around like a fucking velociraptor. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I didn't play a season after that, but I won a premiership. That's sick. My, I think, biggest sporting moment is I got best player in finals in under 13s cricket. Nice. And I was a vice captain of my year seven cricket team. There you go. Hey, very nice. I was I will say that I was the captain of my social netball team through work just for shits and giggles because yeah. the girl who was actually quite a good netballer made me captain. Was it like a voting process where they picked the no, best no, candidate? No. Or was it she, like, Tom, they, you want to organise things? Tom, you're, no, no, no. I didn't have to even organise anything. She just made me captain because she thought it'd be funny. I'm a two-time premiership captain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and in netball terms, you'll understand this, our listeners won't, but I'll clarify in a second. A Norm Smith medalist. Ooh, hey. One best on in one of those uh, grand finals. Only one. Only one of the two. Mm, yeah. Come on, mate. Lift your game. Uh, the other time, the person that won was the shooter who got like 30 points. Yeah, the shooters always get the glory in netball. Yeah. It's a lot of references today that our listeners yeah. are just <laughs> not going to understand. So just to, just to slide in, for those in Australia, we're talking about the Western Bulldogs, just an AFL team. For those in Sydney, that's the better version of, of football, not rugby. <laughs> yep. To give you some context, the biopic we're talking about is obviously the 2016 season. Uh, the Bulldogs came out of nowhere and had this fairy. It, it's literally a movie. I was coming up with this pitch and I'm like, this is a movie. Someone wrote this in Hollywood. So for those listeners in the US, this is the Cubs winning 
Yep. Right, never winning for ages, and then finally this big breakthrough premiership. Uh, for UK listeners, this is Leicester City, so the team that just shouldn't have won, miraculously pulling together a win. Yep. And again, for those in New South Wales, it's Cronulla Sharks. Yep. Uh, but, but better. But better, because... They didn't take drugs at one point and were, were, were backdated a ban, which might be touching on a, a touchy subject there for you, Dusha. Uh, as an Essendon supporter, I refuse to acknowledge any kind of illicit drugs. <laughs> or the years 2012 to 14. Uh, yeah, and also, you know what? 2005 to like 2008, I also don't like to talk about. It's not a lot of years you want to talk about. Yeah, 2000. I'm happy to talk about the year 2000. And 1993. We can talk about about 2001 if you want. Where you lost to the Bulldogs in 2000. The only game you lost for the year. Yeah, that was. uh, I was at that game. Oh, I remember that. Was that Chris Grant kicking that goal from the boundary line? Yep. Well, that was. It was Terry Wallace's super flood, where he said, "Right for the first game, for the first quarter, they're going to go ballistic. We're not scoring a goal, but neither are they." And I think they scored like two goals, and because Essendon's whole style that year was just to just run berserk and kick goals. Yeah, they couldn't, and then they were tired for the rest of the game. It was a master. The only good thing Terry Wallace has ever done in his coaching <laughs> That's his only contribution to the game. Yeah. Oh. Um, so um, for anyone who doesn't get any of the references, feel free to just tweet us about them later when this episode comes out. Yeah, I expect like <laughs> you're just going to get Simon Black question mark, Terry Wallace question mark, question mark, <laughs> AFL question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, as, a, as a Brisbane Lions fan, I like to sort of joke that uh, I've been long suffering because my team has been garbage for 10 years. But you won three premierships. Yeah, prior to that, we won three premierships. The beauty of like the Bulldog story is how long was the premiership? They, so they've only won one premiership in their history, and it yeah. was in the 50s. Yeah. During that time between the 50s and now, so after their last premiership, they'd made a lot of preliminary finals. I was watching a recap of their preliminary final losses, and they just hurt. There's that one where Libba, Tony Liberatore, thinks he's kicked the goal to win him. Yeah. And, and he misses, and they lose. Yeah. And they had... Like three pretty close ones in a row. Yep. Under Rodney E. Under yeah. Rodney E. They, they lost twice to St. Kilda, once to Geelong, my team, the greatest team of all. It's in our song. <laughs> all right. It's in our theme song. It's still bullshit. Uh, oh, mate, we are, we are the best team to be reliant on two players in the league. Peak, peak <laughs> Brisbane beats peak Geelong. Wait, no, we had this discussion. We broke even. Peak. If we broke <clears> even, <throat> then I just sprinkle my captain, Michael Voss, on top and we win. Mate. He's got that much heart, mate. Mate. We had the son of God. We had the greatest player of the modern era. And then you let him go. He's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming home. Um, Anyway, I might, unless anyone has any questions, I'm going to jump straight in. Yeah, jump. Because we can discuss shit. So my film is called Sons of the West. Good title. For those of you who don't know, that is the opening line of the club's theme song. Uh, So Sons of the West, and it's basically about how, because the other thing about the Bulldogs too is, yes, they came so close and it's a massive fairy tale, but in 2014, they lost their best player, a Brownlow medalist. Which is the best player the best in the player, league. like who won like an MVP for them. Yep. Their coach, a whole bunch of their staff, and they were just destroyed. And they, they were broke. Like they, at the end of 2014, they were just, just ruined. Their membership well, was low. The crowds weren't coming to watch. They were actually, a rabble. Probably another good comparison to Leicester City. Western Bulldogs are not a rich team. No. One of the poorest. One of the poorest teams. Um, Unlike Brisbane, who are just constantly given money. Well, hang on, mate. <laughs> anyway, back into <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just bitter because as an Essendon supporter, you have to hate the AFL <laughs> as an organisation because they've just shafted you for like years. And again, 2001, uh, where Brisbane beat Essendon in the grand final <laughs> and their salary cap was surely way higher than ours. Well, there's reasons for that. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> uh, cost of living allowance. Did you have that one? 
Does we had a bit of a player retention thing because we're an interstate team. They obviously don't have that anymore. We got rid of it because we won three premierships in a row, and they <laughs> yeah, went, "Hang yeah, on a second, yeah, that's right." They, yeah, they Eddie McGuire was like, "They have to get rid of it," and they got yeah. rid of it. And they and got they rid of it, like and the club just, just, yep. just destroyed. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, no, um, that's fair. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so the Bulldogs got, got screwed in fourteen, um, and as you'll see throughout the pitch, part of it the was other, their own fault, though. Like, yeah, part of it was massively their own fault. They they did like you say they lost their coach. They fired their coach. No, he no no no. He resigned. Oh, did he? I did research. He resigned. Was a player their captain, who was also their best player at the time. He walked out on the club. To put that in context, too, the AFL, I mean, it's heading towards being more of like a, a free agent, NBA-type thing where players move. But at, but time, at that time, a captain leaving their club was After, like after only one year as captain. It, it's massive. It's like a slap in the face to the club and him saying, this club's going nowhere and we don't believe in it. So for the supporters, like their club was at rock bottom. It, it, they, they were at rock bottom. And then- during the year as well, they had the unluckiest year with injuries. They lost – at one point, I was reading, they had like 16 or 17 of their best 22 players out of the side at one point in the year. Yeah. and Which is unheard of. Which is, which is absurd. Like, the new coach walked under a ladder holding a cat and broke it and then smashed a mirror with the black cat. Like, that's, that's the kind of luck we're talking here. So, it's again, this is a Hollywood film. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect inspiration for a sport film. So if any like Channel 7 executives are listening to our show, give me a call after you listen to my awesome pitch. All right, let's get stuck into it. Sick. Uh, we're starting in 2014 and we're just covering 14 to 16 so we can really encapsulate all of the, all of the shit that went down. Yep. So no, no music, real simple, like birds tweeting over the top of the thing and it's just like a slow fade of the western suburbs of Melbourne, bird's eye view, and just simple... Red, white, and blue titles come up. Just text Sons of the West. So nothing fancy. A bit like the Bulldogs themselves. Yep. What we're seeing is we're seeing people putting posters up in their windows for the grand final, leaning up to the grand, it's grand final week, basically. Putting posters up, putting flags out, and there's just this guy running down the street, and we're just sort of hearing him panting and running while people are putting stuff up and, and getting organised, and he's running along. And, and then as he's kind of, he turns down the street, and we kind of like flash to the houses don't have their posters up. And you hear like this news recorder voice. So it's kind of like flashing between two times, but yeah, this will become clear in a second. So it flashes back to this time and you see on the news. And in uh, breaking news this morning out of the Western Bulldogs Football Club, uh, Coach Brendan McCartney has resigned uh, following on yesterday from the shock decision. And it cuts back. Guy running down the street while people are putting these posters out and flags out. And they're all really excited. And he turns a corner again and it flashes back to the streets are deserted. Um, and it's more than news. In a shock news, where Captain Ryan Griffin demanded a trade to the Greater Western Sydney team, leaving the club in tatters. McCartney's res- resignation further fuels speculation that there is a rift between the coach and the players. Back to person running down the street. Da 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 da. Cuts again, and then the last one this time is, and in a startling revelation, the part, the key part of that Ryan Griffin captain trade was for untried number one draft pick Tom Boyd, reportedly on a nine million dollar contract. Yep. Bang, cuts back to person running down the street. Clarify, guy was like 20 when he got that contract, 19. <laughs> I think he played one season. One, yeah? one season, yep, yeah, left. Anyway, so basically we're cutting between these news reports and clippings and they just keep building of press conferences, just talking around all of the craziness that's going on at the Bulldogs, chucking the Adam Cooney going to Essendon thing there as well. So just, just all of this bad stuff and then it cuts to this guy running down the street. Anyway, he runs past a, a milk bar and he runs in and, and the guy's put out a, a sign with the that day's newspaper, which is, you know, the day before the grand final, catch all the action at the grand final day parade. So we know it's the day before the grand final, 2016. Guy runs in, takes out his headphones, and it's the heart and soul of the Western Bulldogs Football Club, Bob Murphy. Yep. And he sort of stretches one of his one of his knees out after he's gone for this run, and the guy in the milk bar hands him, oh, gets a gator off him, and he goes, oh, how's the knee, Bob? 
Yeah, nuts. It's feeling pretty good. You're nervous about tomorrow? He goes, oh, you know, not just yet. I don't think it's settled in. He's like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I've got to go get ready and go down to the parade. He's like, oh, well, we're all cheering for you, mate. He's like, oh, mm. thanks. And he sort of walks out and he, he stretches his knee out and he, and he kind of looks around and he's looking in the western suburbs and he, he looks calm. This guy, for people who don't know, this is Bob Murphy. He's the captain of the Western Bulldogs. Right? So he's going to be leading his team to glory on grand final day. Obviously, if you're the captain, that's what you do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He then sets off on a run again and he runs past. And as he runs past the, the, the newspaper sign, it flashes back. And this time we stay in this era. And it's the date in 2014 announcing Brendan McCartney's shock resignation and just the Bulldogs clubbing tatters. And this time we, we kind of move away from that and we're just at this like this house and these people are packing a car going away on a holiday. Now, I have not thought of any casting for this movie because I just don't think I can. And also, I'm fictionalising a lot of the events of this. There are things that probably didn't happen, like Bob Murphy going for a run on the day before the grand final. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah, I like to think he did. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who would. Anyway, so now what it does is it cuts these people packing this car and as they're like loading things up, we just hear the phone ring and there's a person and we can't see their face and the phone ring and they pull the phone out and they look at it and it just says, Das. And he hangs up and puts the phone back in his pocket. And he keeps loading the car up and it rings again. <laughs> and he pulls it out and he looks at it. And it's the same guy again. And he hangs up and it rings a third time. Doesn't even look at it, just hangs up, puts it back in. And I said, Dad, who's calling you? And Luke Beveridge turns around and looks towards the camera. And he's like, oh, no one, guys, just keep packing the car. They're obviously going on a family holiday somewhere. This is the Luke Beveridge. He looks relaxed, chilled out guy. I'm trying to think of actors and like Hugh Jackman could play Luke Beveridge pretty well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll pay that. I mean, he's not Wolverine anymore, so he's probably up for it. He's probably up for it. Or Eric Banner, I think. If Eric Banner grew his hair out, he could play Luke Beveridge. He's a bit of a, I see uh, that actor, Eric Thompson. Hey, no, yep, no, Eric Thompson is, is, yeah. is Luke Beveridge. Oh. Just grow his hair out. Bit a bit of a mullet. Bit of a mullet. Yeah. Anyway, so Beveridge is walking back to the house and his wife walks out. She's holding her phone out. She's like, it's Darcy. He's ringing for you. And he's just like, I'm, I'm busy. She's like, I've told him you're here. Also, I'm pretty sure I can hear us talking from the phone. He's like, Luke, is that you, mate? <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, put him on. And he puts the phone and he goes, no. <laughs> it's like, you haven't even heard my offer yet. He's like, I know what it's going to be. I, I live in Melbourne. I read the news, all right? I've got a job. I'm development coach at St. Kilda. I'm not doing it. He's like, look, I said to Pete, and I said, the only way that I'm going on this panel, he's like, Das, I'm not doing it. So the guy on the other end of the phone is, is former Bulldogs player, Luke Darcy, who's yep. a good friend of Beveridge, who convinced him to take the, the coaching job. Yep. So he's like, yeah, come on, mate. The only way I got onto this panel was I said that I'd put your name forward. He goes, well, I don't know why you did that. I've got a perfectly good job <laughs> at St. Kilda. And he goes, yeah, but you have to come. He goes, well, I said, oh, I told Clarko you'd come in. He goes, well, then he'll start calling me. He goes, yeah, I know. I'll ring everyone. I'll ring every single person who knows you to keep ringing you until you come in for the job. He's like, look. Darcy, I'm about to go away on an overseas holiday with my kids. I've got a job. I'm happy. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Hangs up. Smash cut. Press conference. Luke Darcy's standing there. And there's Luke Beveridge. And he looks happy, but there's a part of him that's a little bit hurt. And he looks at Darcy and he goes, I owe you one. He's like, yeah, you'll, you'll repay me, I, I, I reckon. Then there's this big announcement, big hoo-ha. Luke Beveridge, we'd like to welcome you on board as the coach of the Western Bulldogs in 2015. And everyone rounds big round of applause. And he's like... Very calm, very quiet, just easy going about it. And he kind of waves to the crowd and, and yeah, thank you very much. And I keep asking questions and he's just kind of nodding and, and it all kind of fades out. And then he's just he's just sitting at his desk and he's going through all the playlists. So he's got all this information around him and he's, yep. and he's sitting there going through it. And, and one of the assistant coaches comes in and he sticks his head and he goes, oh, uh, Bevo, you don't, you don't have to do any of this yet. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I want to. I'm new here. I've got to get to know everybody. And, you know, we've, we've got to announce a captain. 
So I want to be part of that process and, and I, I need to read up on all this stuff. He goes, ah, oh. well, I guess, you know, I want to look at all the candidates for who's going to be captain and assistant coach who can be anyone. And it's like, um, no one else has put the hand up, just him. And they were just like, oh, thank God. I didn't want to have to interview anybody else. He's the only person <laughs> I wanted to do it. I was going to have to try to convince all of these other players to not be captain. Anyway, so at this point, Bob Murphy comes in. And so Bob sits down and he's like, you know, they have this they have this conversation basically about how, you know, he wants to be the next captain. He's the only person to put his name forward because he just felt he, he had to do it. And Bever goes, well, I'm, I'm glad it's you because you're the, the heart and soul of this footy club and I'm new and I've never done anything with these boys before. But you have. You've lived with them and you've been here since you were 17. You know this team and you know the people who support the Bulldogs. And there, there's a special kind of person who's a Bulldog supporter <laughs> and – not in a derogatory way, <laughs> A patient person. Uh, there's a patient person, but it's a special kind of quality in a person. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I reach them. So I'm going to need your help. I can't coach this team without you leading with me. If you want to do this, if you want to take control of a club that the media are saying is just falling apart and falling to pieces, we can do that. We're in this together, you and me. Whatever we have to do. Not whatever we have to do like Essendon. That was a really whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. takes. How funny yeah. was that? Oh, anyway. Can I um, say, Tom? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I love that you rob us of Beveridge's like thought process with the smash cut to him taking the job. I kind of want that element of uh, presumably he's the protagonist of the film. Yep, yep. You almost want to see that sort of, oh, do I take it? Do I not? Because he should have that thought process of, fuck, this club's a rabble and I'm actually quite scared to take this leap. Although yeah, yeah. I really like that it's like play, almost played for laughs because like it's just like well, so you can then chuck a conversation because like this is a spoiler for people who don't really know what's going on in this film. In 2015, things were better but didn't go perfectly to plan. So yeah. you could then have Luke Beveridge just in like a conversation with – You want to bring it up then. Like, like bring it up you then. You want to know so. why I took this job? Boom. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe, I'll be, maybe, I'll be, maybe I'll be doing that in a second, guys. Cool. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. All right. <laughs> So yeah, now the jump cut. I'm a fan, but yeah, you're right. You're just, and just because in the research I was doing, it was literally Luke Darcy just kept ringing him until he agreed to an interview. <laughs> yeah, and he, but he didn't think he was going to get it because he heard Brett Montgomery was going for it, and um, what's his name from Adelaide? He's like, oh, there's Shewins, uh, and they're like, no, it's you, and he's like, <laughs> shit. Okay, then I'm going to tell St Kilda that the job I've just agreed to, I can't have anymore. <laughs> well, so yeah, I, I probably want to see that rather than just playing it for the joke. I do like like the jump cut works in that context. It might you? work in this context. You don't know yeah. yet, sure. Right, cool. Pull your head in, Sean. Proceed unmolested, mate. <laughs> don't say that. It reminds me of Gabe. I don't want him anywhere near my sport film making snide remarks about sport. <laughs> little little bitch. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so they announce Bob's the captain. They have this really nice t- conversation where it's all about how Bevo's like, I need you. We need to be in this together. He's like, so what I'm going to ask you is, who's going to be your deputy? You know, are you going to get Boyd to do it? Matthew Boyd, who was the captain previously? Are you going to go somewhere new? Like, what's, what's your gut feel? Murph goes, I was having this conversation the other day. I think it's got to be Easton Wood. He's a defender. He's with me all the time. He's a general. He's, I think he'd be a really good vice captain. And Bev was like, great, well, go on, you know, convince him that that's a good idea. Murphy's like, don't actually need to do that. I've already told him that he'll be my vice captain if I get captain. <laughs> and I'm just hoping you're on board. And Bevo's like, I'm on board if you're on board, mate. And this is kind of just seeing their like bromance. Cool, yeah. Bevo's like, right, I'll see you later. And he keeps going through this. And you just see Murphy walk out. And Easton was just outside. Like, <laughs> Did you take it? He's like, yeah, he took it. He's like, oh, man. He's like, so, vice captain. Oh, that's a, that's a big, big thing to do. And he goes, not that, I'm, not that I'm worried. I mean, I'll have you there all the time. So it's okay. He's like, yeah, no, you'll be fine. I'll, I'll be there with you all the time. He's like, good. Because <laughs> I, I just don't think I could do it by myself. But I've got, you've got my back. 
Anyway, so off they go. <laughs> so then basically where we jump to now is is we go back and this is kind of this montage of just seeing Beveridge's preparation. He's, he just, he's just quietly watching people at training. He'll put people aside, have a talk to them, reading through things and, and, and just, just keeping it all low key. Yeah. And you have the president, Peter Gordon, kind of watching on being like, Come on, there's got to be something here. There's got to be something here. And he, there's kind of maybe sort of board talk where like the people on the board are like, he just doesn't seem to be interested. He's kind of just pretty casual. We had our first preseason game in 2015 against Collingwood. What's happening here? Anyway, we then, we then cut to that preseason game and the players are getting ready. And it's like, right, you know, it's preseason game. Coach is like, yeah, you know, just go out there. We want to get a bit of a run through some of your legs. Make sure you guys are fit and ready to go and just, just try out some new positions. And another beverage walks in and he walks in and there's just something about the way he walks in. I think actually before he walks in, we see him just around the corner. So while the rest of the club are getting, he's just he's actually sucking himself up. There's there's a little bit of nerves here. It's just like you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. All right, and he's calmed himself down, and then he walks in. Everyone in the room kind of stops, and they realise that the coach has walked in, but he's walked in not in a relaxed kind of. This is just a preseason game. This this guy's walked in with business, and he's take a seat, everyone. Everyone's kind of like really. Okay, all right. I guess we've got to go through it, but there's a formality to it. And he stands up there and they're playing Collingwood and he just goes, it's going to be an ambush today, right? We've got to prepare for an ambush. And everyone in the room's kind of like, this is bullshit. And you can kind of see Bob <laughs> and Easton Wood kind of looking at one another going, it's our coach. And Peter Gordon and the board are looking a bit nervous as well. He said, yeah, boys, it's going to be an ambush. It's going to be us that's going to be doing the ambushing. They are not going to know what hit them. You're going to go fast. You're going to go hard. I do not care if at the end of the quarter you can't run anymore. That doesn't matter. I just need to see you go as hard as you possibly can and do not let up. Do not let it grow. I don't want to hear it's only preseason. This game is just as important as the next 22 games of the year. I want to see you go hard. When the man gets the ball, you're going to swarm him. Just, just <laughs> chase him in numbers. There's going to be an ambush today. And then we cut to just Beveridge sitting on the coaching panel and, and Peter Gordon kind of looking at him and they're just – Killing Collingwood in this pre <laughs> yes, it's only preseason, but you can see that they're running in for one another. And while it's not polished and slick, and there's still some mistakes here and there, the Collingwood players get the ball. They get swarmed by like three Bulldogs players. The ball pops out, and then they're off and they're gone. And they yeah. just look, they just look good. And Beveridge kind of sits back and and he's he's pretty happy with how things are unfolding. And and Peter Gordon's like, oh, that's that's a good ref up speech you did there. I think it's I think it's done the trick for them. And Bevo just casually goes, yeah, no, I didn't think it was going to work. And you just see the look on the president's face like, how dare you do that? <laughs> so just, I'm trying to set up that he's kind of a different approach to coaching. Yeah. Um, so pre-season's done and dusted and you kind of see this, this fire and steel. And afterwards, people are like, oh, you know, that was, that was really good. You've got them going and we played really well. And Bevo just kind of just sort of taking it all in. But he, there's something, he just doesn't seem satisfied. And Bob pulls him aside and he goes, we never played like that before. He's like, well, that's, that's how we're going to play. That's, that's what we're doing in this team. We're all in this team, and that's what we're going to play like. And Bob's like, it wasn't perfect, though, was it? And Bob's like, oh, no, it wasn't. I'm glad you said that. And they kind of walk away and start talking about what they can do next. So, again, yeah. building that relationship between the two of them. Now, as, as he's walking away, the only thing Bob he says to Bobby is like, right, what we've got to do as the season kicks off is I've got to know them. You, you've been here for years. You know what he has for breakfast. You know what Bontempelli does on the weekends. You know Jake Stringer's mum's name. I don't know anything. And I need to know them if I'm going to coach them. I want to teach these guys. That's 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 what they're going to do. They're going to learn how to do this kind of thing. So I need to know they are. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. We can we can organise that. So now we cut to a montage. So the 2015 season is a is a montage type story yep. Yep. where basically you see intercut between key moments in that season conversations between Bevo and say JJ. Yep. You know, just building building relationships. And in, and for me, there's probably four or five key players we want to see him sitting down and getting to know and yep. seeing a highlight from them in that year. So, for example, I want to see him talking to Tom Boyd. 
Sure. They sit down and Tom Boyd's got all those expectations and he's going to be playing his first game. He's a bit nervous. I think I think GWS was the first game he played against. Like he actually – and he didn't do very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so leading up to that game and they sit down and they was like, look, I know there's a lot of pressure, but I need you to understand something. There's no pressure from me. From where I'm sitting, you're just like everybody else and you're 19, you're 20, there's, there's no pressure. If you go out there tomorrow and you take one mark and you kick no goals – but your effort's there, I'm happy. Yep. What goal do you want to set for yourself? And he goes, oh, well, I'm kind of struggling because, you know, I'm coming from a different club and, like, I'm kind of anxious and stressed. And he's like, how about this? The goal we set for the rest of your career is that you're happy playing football. How about we do that? And Tom Boyd's like, yeah, all right. He goes, just be happy while doing the stuff that I want you to do. Yep. All right, great. <laughs> to clarify the Tom Boyd thing, oh, um, yeah. as you said before, he's the you know twenty year old guy who got offered a what was it? I think it's nine, ten million. It was an abs- and it's now, front what, how many years too. though? It's not how many back years paid. was it? I think nine years. Yeah, nine years. So just in for you know overseas listeners and stuff, nine or ten million in Australia for AFL is oh that's that's huge. LeBron money. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, like it's huge. in Australian terms, that's a LeBron. It's like money. just about almost the highest paid player in the game. Give or take one or two guys. Probably the only the only guys Franklin would, be, would be Buddy and probably uh, probably not Ablett anymore. Yeah, so it's it's huge. It's it's monster. It, it, you know, the, the top, highest paid players are probably like Dangerfield, Buddy, and Boyd. It's a LeBron James style contract for a guy who would played all it's, of like it's maybe Le- ten if, games. If LeBron James's pay went to is it Thon Macker? Is that his name? Maker. Thon Maker, yeah, the Aussie, the Aussie guy, right? yeah. Right? yeah, that's what it is. It's that money, yeah. Um, so he, he, the pressure of that. So then he he pulls aside JJ, so Jason Johannesson, who's this brilliant running half backman. He's like, look, you're good. We've just got to find an extra part of your game. He said, you're good at running off the back, but I just need you to be there for your teammates a bit more. And you and you see this throughout the the flashbacks to the 2015 season. His game plan is the opposition drop the ball, we'll swarm them. Get him, and then we'll get him out the back. And you're you're quick, so I need you to be ready to get him out the back anytime you can. But I need you to be in support all the time. None of this selfish outside stuff. I think you're a great talent. You've just got to find that next bit of your game. And JJ's like, yeah, all right, I guess, yeah, sure, why not? Yep. <laughs> um, talks to the Bont. Not much to say to the Bont. Just keep being amazing, mate. <laughs> and then talking to Wood and Murphy. And again, you're just building this rapport between him and Murphy in particular, and how they're on the same wavelength. And after the Sydney win, like how good was that? And and all these kind of things. So basically, you you pepper the 2015 season with you know they have some losses, but they're winning games that that are doing pretty well. And it all ends. The last sort of meeting he has is. He packs his sort of notes away and he, he goes home and um, he seems to hop into bed and he's with his wife and she's like, how's it going? And so, so the montage here, I don't really know what specifics are, but that's kind of the idea. Yep. Um, and then he gets home and he, and he hops into bed and, and he's sort of sitting there and she's like, how are you feeling about tomorrow? And he goes, I don't know. I want to say good, but, but I don't know if the boys are ready. They put in a heap of work. We're working really hard and I can't fault their effort. I just don't know if we're ready for that next step. Oh, wait, I was about to ask, when is the set? Like, this is still 2015. It's still 2015. This is but- like the night before the elimination final, yeah? Elim- Correct. Okay, cool. That's <laughs> what I was about to ask. I was like, is this the end of the set? Yeah, cool. So this is the end of the year. So we've, we've basically 20 minutes of the film is this montage of, yeah, sure. of the- uh, and, I, and I was going to find specific games, but 2015 is not really specific games that I want to pull yeah. out. Yeah, really. I pretty much when you are explaining it to me, I was imagining you would get like the player he was about to talk to doing something that and was- then, Yeah, and then you see them in the game. And then, yeah, it's building and the team's building together. And yeah, you just, you just see them yeah. going like, Just like nicely. little highlights of like little good yeah. things that happened or like even for instance, like JJ running out the back, but then also doing something selfish. Then you get like him- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beverage talking to him, and then you get an example of him listening, taking that advice on board. And then doing, and then yeah, do, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah, is you yeah. see that advice, so you see like Tom Boy just kind of not enjoying himself, and then he just does something where he like lays a tackle to help a yeah. teammate get out, and he goes, oh, "That was kind of good." Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or or something he does something, and like Easterwood runs past, taps him on the show, and goes, "Good work, Boydie," and he's like, 
And you just like a smile lights up his face. Yeah. Good work, and also yeah. I want to see a lot of the games, you wouldn't see a lot of the gameplay. A lot of it would be just coach's box and Beverage just kind of looking at notes and like moving stuff around on magnets. And yeah. so you see some gameplay, but not a lot because And then even about- just him having like a quiet word to them at training and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it just be yeah. just be quiet words from here and there and, and particularly quiet words with, with Murphy. Like a lot of these sessions would, would be Murphy. Yeah, because you're gonna need their relationship to Their be relationship needs to be really massive, nice and strong. Yeah. And and also you probably have like examples of him telling Murphy something and Murphy then doing it on the field. So yeah. then maybe maybe when JJ does something selfish, Murphy scolds him for it. He goes, That's not what Bevo asked you to do, mate. And he goes, Yeah, all right. And then he helps out the next yeah. time. It's like yeah. good. So again, you're seeing there's Luke Beveridge on the field in Bob Murphy. Yeah. And off the field it's Luke Beveridge. So he's so he's in bed and it's the day before this set. They made the finals. And they're playing in a semi final against Adelaide who have come from an awful, awful tragedy to actually be playing fantastic footy. And they were playing really good footy early in the year, and it's going to be a pretty good match. But the Bulldogs are going in favourites because they've been in the year pretty strongly. I think they've got the home ground as well. Home ground advantage. So they're feeling pretty good. And he's like, I think we've got it. If if we do what what we're supposed to do, I think we might get him. I think we're going to run and gun him. That's, that's the plan. Anyway, the elimination final starts. There's a bit of nerves. And he gives an address, and it's just it's a pretty standard address, actually. Yeah, he's just like you know we're going to go do you know do the things you know right, and no nothing special, nothing like the address he gave in the preseason game, which was odd but worked, and just just a standard address. And, and Murph then goes, All right, guys, let's do let's do this, and they go out. Now we know the result of that elimination final is they lose. Just it's a high scoring game. They leak way too many goals out the back. And because it's so fast, they get outscored by a team that has the best attack in the competition. Yeah. And in the end, Taylor will kicks the goal and they lose. So as, as all this is going on, we literally just see a couple of clips of the Bulldogs not doing something great, like Bont missing two goals in a row from outside 50 <laughs> to put him in front. Uh, as, as Walker is running down the field to cr- cross that beautiful kick to Charlie Cameron, <laughs> we cut to Beveridge sitting in the coach's box. He looks drawn. It, it didn't go the way he wanted it. Beveridge, someone's sort of saying, oh, that guy should have chased that guy harder or something. And you don't see this guy. And Beveridge just goes, no, this is our fault. And everyone kind of goes quiet in the coach's box. He's gone, something's not working here. I'll see you downstairs. And he just picks up and walks off. The beautiful visual of that too is like you just cut away from the game yeah. and just see his face. This is and nice. all the other coaches are probably reacting like, ah, oh, behind him. And he's just kind of like, he just knows. Anyway, he goes downstairs and, and everyone's kind of pretty dejected. And they're kind of sitting there and, and, and some of them are quite upset. Yeah. Before he goes into brief, the coaches, he calls Murphy over and he goes, how'd you feel? And he goes, well, we ran hard and we, we, out, we kicked a huge score, but we let him get away with too much. And Beverly goes, exactly. We, we went too fast. We're good at fast, but we're not a team that can play fast all the time because it makes us one dimensional and, and it's on me. Bob's like, well, no, we, he goes, no, it's on me. My plan didn't work. Anyway, he kind of goes in and he addresses the players and it's like, look, guys, thanks for your support this year. Thanks for everything you've done for me this year, for my family this year. You should be really proud of yourselves because no one thought we'd be here this time last year. We we're falling apart. We we're a team divided. We're now a team united. We lose today and it hurts and I want it to hurt and I want you to think about how much this hurts all summer. Just keep it in the back head. Have a good time with your family. But if ever you're sort of thinking about the game, remind yourself that this hurts and we're never going to be here again, all right? We're not going to do this again. And Bevo gets up and walks out, and they're all kind of like, oh, that was an odd speech, but okay. And they kind of rally themselves <laughs> together. And, and then as he's walking out, he's going, all right, we're going to the press conference. One of the assistant coaches just runs over and goes, got a minute? It's like, what's wrong? He goes, it's not good. 
And so before they go into the press room, he just walks off into one little room on the side. And then, bang, we cut to the news the next day, which is the announcement or the, the news breaking that it is believed that Michael Talia, Western Bulldogs defender, not playing in the game, allegedly told his brother Daniel, who played for the Crows, some of the strategies that the team might be using that night. And Daniel fed that information to Kyle Cheney, who's a defender at the Crows, and he used that into his game plan when playing on Jake Stringer. And that partially, maybe one of the reasons that the Crows won is because they had inside information from a player on the Bulldogs list. We then cut, so the news sort of keeps building and keeps building and keeps building, and and we kind of see, again, the bad press that's spinning around at the end of a Bulldog season, and this time it's it's plaguing Luke. And you can see him, he's kind of anxious about what they're going to do, and, and he's like, no, no, we're good, we're fine. He literally calls a press conference and says it's been sorted. He's no longer at the club. And the journalists are like, wait, there was an investigation and they couldn't find any evidence, and... And Beveridge goes, I had to talk to him. He's out. And people are like, this guy's nuts. Like, <laughs> this is like ridiculous. Like, that's, that's, that's what happened. And also, like, for, again, for overseas listeners, whatever, that was unheard of. Oh, like, yeah. This is like absurd. It's like Tom Brady deflating a ball. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, wait, did he say, I have spoken to him or he hadn't? I don't, I, because my understanding from the time was that he refused to speak to him. Yeah, he just didn't talk to him and they just like <laughs> kicked him out of the club. And then well, it wasn't it later. All right, let me like, put it, let me put it to you like this. I'm embellishing the story here, but yeah, Luke Beveridge's past job was that he was like special forces cop, <laughs> right? I reckon there was a conversation and I reckon it was a very private conversation. I think he said, I don't care, you're out, but I'm going to deny that we've had this conversation out of respect for you, respect for everyone, but you're no longer in this team. So what happens is that press conference happens and then he has to walk in to the club for their first day back in. Yeah. He walks in and everyone's kind of look at him and there's, there's a weird vibe. And he goes, right, sit down. And even Bob's a little bit like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? He goes, okay, some things happened in the end of last year. I don't want anyone thinking anything beyond the actual story. I spoke to Michael. Now, again, I'm fabricating this a little <laughs> bit. I spoke to Michael. We had a long chat. I'm not going to tell you what happened in that conversation because, frankly, it is none of your business. I've had, I have conversations regularly with all of you. you know. So, Libba, when I talk to you, I don't go and tell Boydie what you've been saying, okay? I, uh, Dalhouse, when I talk to you, mate, I don't go and spread words for other people. I, I keep it all in-house. So this is exactly like that. All you need to know is that Michael is no longer here. We are starting again. And I just want to remind everybody, if you're on this ship, you're on this ship. If anyone at any point wants to get off the ship, come and speak to me. I'm more than happy to let you get off. But if you're on, you're on. Are we clear? Yeah. Are we clear? Yeah. All right. Let's go get warmed up for the training. Cool. They, they then cut to the start, of the start of the season. So we see a bit more preseason again, and we see there's something a bit different about the Bulldogs. Lib is back for a start, but you just see that – Beveridge has made some changes. And, and maybe maybe here you see montages of flashbacks to him after that semi-final and his wife's like, what are you still doing up? He's like, <laughs> there was something wrong that night. And I'm not talking about all the Michael shit, but there was something wrong. Look, look at this. Look at this. It's just too easy. It's too easy. Hawthorne won. And what are, the, what are they good at? What are, like we've got to – you can't replicate Hawthorne. They're the model and everyone's using their model. We've got to find a way to just beat them at their own game kind of thing. She's yeah. like, all right, but don't kill yourself doing it. He's like, no, no, no. I have to get this right. We have to get this right. To clarify, Libba was like probably their best player from the previous season. And, and he did his did, knee in the previous Hurt his season. knee and basically didn't play for the entire year, right? To all of 2015, he was out. Yeah. Anyway, so we see him and he's sort of putting it all together and going, all right. He's starting to build a, a plan. 
So we see this plan start to start to take shape, and, and then we see the first two games of the new season. They're looking really good. They're playing really well. And then they've, they've won the first two, and they're looking good, and they're going into game three, and they're playing Hawthorne. And this is where Beveridge pulls them in and he goes, right, this is Bulldogs 2.0. What do Hawthorne like to do? It's sort of the science, and some Eastern ones like, oh, they kick it around. Like they take their time. He's like, yep, they'll pin pass, kick around, 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 and then kill you with a beautifully delivered pass in the forward 50. So they, they take up time. Now, teams try to beat Hawthorne by trying to rush them. You cannot rush Hawthorne. I worked at Hawthorne. Clarkson does not let his players get rushed. You can't rush them. So we're going to let them take all the time they want. And there's kind of this weird kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can take as long as they want to do stuff. And we're going to nail them while they're setting up. Off we go, boys. And they run out. <laughs> now, this is basically quick highlights of this game. They're with them the whole way. They're beating the reigning premiers in some parts and they're playing really well. And at halftime, Beveridge is up and he's talking to Bob Murphy and they're all excited. And then we go out for the, the last quarter and we're almost like GoProing on the captain. Yep. Bob, he's in the back line and he's directing traffic and he's all right, keep going. No, no, no. And he looks at the clock and there's only a few seconds left. He's like, keep working, guys. Keep working, guys. No, no, no. You can't rush them. And the guy, the Bulldogs, they've started to panic because they're yep. in front. There's not long left. And Hawthorne are doing what they do best, so they change the plan. And James Sicily, this Hawthorne forward, is out on his own and there's a pass coming in and Bob's like, oh, I'm not going to make the distance. I'm going to go. And he takes off. And we're with Bob running and we hear the same running, breathing, running, and as he's running and he jumps and he just tries to spoil the ball and he's just too late. There's too much distance between him and James because there's no support for him anywhere in the back line. And then he hits the ground and we just hear this sound and everything goes black. And it just cuts to, to Luke Beveridge just sitting outside the, the physio room in the, in the chain room. And he's just sitting there and he just looks haggard. And the rest of the players are kind of walking around, but everyone just looks flat. And the physio comes out and we just see Bob Murphy kind of putting on a tracksuit jacket in the physio room and Bevo kind of leans in, but the physio shuts the door and he's like, how bad? And Bevo's just like, not good. He goes, is it? And the physio's like, ACL. He's like, we'll do scans, but and Bevo's like, that's a season. The physio goes, he's not young, mate. It's probably his career. <laughs> and there's just this, this flat spot. The news then keeps going that the captain of the Western Bulldogs Football Club has done his knee and will be out for the season. Heartbreaking sadness. Uh, we then sort of have Bob and Bevo having a conversation and, and Bob telling him that he will stay on as captain. He won't retire. He'll play on next year but he's not going to take any further part in this season because yep. of the knee. So the next cut is Bevo sitting in his office and Easton Wood is sitting across the room sweating. <laughs> he's like, oh, mate, I, I agreed to do this because Bob would be there with me. I thought I'd be able to help, but I just can't. I'm really stressed. I, I don't know what to do. Bevo's like, it's okay, it's okay. We're going to be fine. We can, we can do this, you and me. He said, because I need you. You need to be there, right? So Bob's going to be here through all of this. Bob will be here at training. He'll be here post-game, pre-game. He will talk to all the players to ease the load on you while you're doing it for the first time. But you need to be him when he can't be there. So you need to be Bob where Bob can't go, which is on the field. And he goes, and the first thing we have to do is if I give a game plan, we're sticking to it, all right? And maybe there's a like a throwaway line about like, all right, well, we've lost Bob, but like <laughs> it's not like we're going to lose everybody else. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you fucking do. <laughs> um, we then do the 2016 season. Highlighting on just key incidents and, and basically this plan of, of Bevo's to just 
swarm numbers, let players take their time, has to be enforced more and more because they just start losing key personnel. Is it a bit of a montage again or is it more? Montage, montage again, montage again. But focusing on a couple of key points. So when Johannesson does his hamstring. Yep. That's a big one. Yep. What round was that in? That was uh, early early. But at that point, he'd been like the best player for the team. Yeah. I think it was the St. Kilda game, the first St. Kilda game, where they beat them. And he kicks a goal from 75 metres out and does his hamstring in the same kick. So that happens. You get the whole Tom Boyd thing happening. Yep. Uh, where again, he, Tom Boyd punches a teammate in a VFL level game and they ban him internally and he's not allowed to play. You get them losing to GWS and how much that stings because there's Griffin and he's beaten us. Yeah. Like, like that hurts so much. But the whole way through it, you see Bevo teaching new guys. So like Josh Dunkley and these younger kids coming in. Delhouse is playing him more on ball roll because they've just lost this kind of person. And he goes, look, Dale Morris, you're the back line. <laughs> you're the whole back line because <laughs> they're just losing plays. He's yeah. swinging people back and forth. So he's um, just seem. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to ask. I don't really. How did the start of the season go for the Doggies? Like, so they won the first two and then lost against Hawthorne and then won games sporadically here and there. Yeah, because I imagine the montage is going to have to focus on like the negative points at first. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be the. It's actually going to be mostly negative points. Yeah. And then they kind of have a couple of wins and these new players are starting to come good. And there's a game against Geelong where Jack, uh, Jack McRae played on Dangerfield and got absolutely towered up. And after the game, you know, one of the examples, Bevo comes, sits down and goes, how was that? He goes, he's unreal. That guy, like, <laughs> he is amazing. He's like, yes. And he goes, he beat me at every stoppage. He's like, yeah, but what'd you learn? And the kid sits there and goes, oh, you're right. Anyway, so all this kind of shit's happening. And then just as they're starting to find their confidence again, it's a St. Kilda game where they're in front by 50 points and lose. And we all know in that game, in the final moments, Mitch Wallace breaks his leg horrifically. It was disgusting. So they yeah. show that, they show that, and it's the it's same similar thing again. You just hear you just hear Wallace screaming in the background and Bevo's just standing looking heartbroken. And the players are just flat. And you can hear this guy like this grown man sobbing. And everyone's just everyone's just dejected. Like I would never tell anyone to look at that footage, but it's fucked. It's, like it's so bad. It's so horrific. It's like it's sickening. The worst one I've seen, probably. Oh, it's 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 horrific. Mm. So then it goes back to the team preparing, and they're all just really flat. And Bevo walks in the press conference, and he gives a press conference, which is a frank assessment of the game. They didn't do what the plan was, and Mitch Wallace is a horrific injury, and he's he's just he's just sitting there, and then the press conference ends, and he walks out. And he just gets towards the coaches, like the rest of the training rooms, and he just stops outside and he just starts to cry. And he's just fighting and, and trying and it's just not working. And, but, he, but he stops and he picks himself up and he goes back in and he delivers a speech saying, we need to rally around this, guys. We've, we've been through this. This is, this is hard. It's going to be hard. I'm going to learn so much from this. Keep doing this plan. Keep doing this plan. Now, we build to – they win a couple more games and then we build to the final game of the year against Frio where they get absolutely pantsed against a team that was absolutely shithouse all year and they just look terrible and they're going into the finals and they're seventh and they just do not look good. And the game ends and the players are walking off dejected and Beverage is kind of looking around like, yeah, we're in trouble here. And then we cut to sort of – you kind of have a moment where maybe, maybe you have him and Murphy talking or maybe it's him and his wife or maybe it's him and Luke Darcy, whoever. They just have this conversation and they go, that game, you know, it was pretty bad. Yep. And he goes, Make it the wife. Make it the wife. She goes, yep. are you all right? And he goes, no, we're not all right. But we've got a week. And I mean- Two weeks. We've got two weeks. Yep. And come back in. We've got to go to Perth again. And it'll be hard. But we get a couple of players back. Yep. She goes, so what are you, what are you thinking this time? And he goes, this time, why not? Why not? And then it cuts to the change rooms before the West Coast final. And he's just like, we are currently 
Not that we're allowed to look at sports bet results, but we are currently paying like $15 to win this game today. So why not? Why not us? Why not now? Let's go out there. And you know what, boys? You know what's going to happen today in Western Australia? And the, the team is kind of up and about. And he goes, you know, Libba's back. You're back. You know what's going to happen today in Western Australia? There's going to be an ambush. Yes! <laughs> oh, I was waiting then, for that. And the players are kind of like, yeah, there is. He's like, there's going to be an ambush. Are you ready for an ambush? And they're all like, yeah, we're ready for an ambush. Oh, yes. He's like, you ready for an ambush? And they're like, yes. He's like, let's show them what Sons of the West are made of. Oh, mate. Now, they go out. Now, the, the, basically, the, this is a montage of their finals campaign. Played to rudimentals not giving in. <laughs> Do you know that song? If you don't know that song. Not giving in. Anyway, so we just quick highlights of them absolutely wasting West Coast. Like, this team is doing everything they're supposed to do. They're swarming, they're running in packs, they're kicking these goals. And you're not seeing a lot of the gameplay. Yeah. It's a lot of people in the crowd and a lot of Luke Beveridge just looking satisfied with what they're doing. Bang, cut to the next week. They're playing Hawthorne. And it's they're in that room again. He's like, they're not doing it to us again. What, 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 they're not, what aren't we going to do? We're not going to rush them. No, we're not going to rush them. We're going to make them think they're on top and then we're going to crucify them. Let's go, boys. They run out and it's the same thing again. You see Bond and Pally do that awesome bump on Luke Hodge and then kick a goal. <laughs> that was that was so good. <laughs> Anyway, so all that stuff. So they smash Hawthorne, still to the same song. And then they come back in and he goes, all right, do you want to know what revenge tastes like, fellas? And this time they're in Greater Western Sydney. All right. I just want to quickly interrupt just a bit more like background <laughs> information. Yeah. So Western Bulldogs finished seventh on the AFL. Oh, level, yeah, true. They finished seventh. Which No is, team has ever won the grand final. From no team seventh. had ever made the grand final from seventh. Correct. So um, the way the AFL finals works is if you finish in, so there's like the final eight, but that eight is divided into four and four. Yep. If you finish in the top four, you get a second chance. So if you lose, you're still in the finals. Where bottom four, you lose one game, you're out. It's like the tough road to finals. You don't Correct. get a week off. Yeah. And the winner, the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs always playing comes in that, from the top four. Correct. The winner always comes from the top four. And the Bulldogs were playing in the bottom half of the draw and they didn't get one home game on the way to the grand final. The only home game they get would be the grand final. Yes. Yeah. So they had to go to West Coast to play West Coast who were on a roll. They had to go to MCG to play Hawthorne who were Hawthorne. The Raymond Premiers. And Premier. West Coast were really like- They were really on a roll. Yeah. 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 They'd won like five games leading into the end of the year. Yeah. Um, like people and then was... they had to play GWS who everyone was like, they're the premiership favorite now. Yeah. yeah. And they fucking beat them. I, side note, again, with the GWS thing, I was at a, a legal bar for this game where they had a real shitty TV and um, it was in a suburb where most of the people barrack for Western Bulldogs- and during the last quarter, a dude crowd surfed to the footy. <laughs> like there was no music playing. He literally ju- was holding a beer, jumped off a table into the crowd, and, and people crowd- caught him. And yeah, crowd surfed him. So this is this is the the moment where they're playing against GWS, who took their captain, who ripped the heart out of the club, and have bragged about it ever since, and who beat them, and they beat them at home. And basically, you see Beveridge again psyching his troops up, yep. rallying them together, and they come forward for this. And isn't it amazing? And oh, they're going nuts and they're cheering and they're into the grand final. And, and then the sound just cuts out, and there's Bob Murphy. And it's back to the present day. And he's coming home from his run and he's getting dressed. And he's got his tracksuit out because he has to wear a tracksuit because he doesn't get to play. And he's sort of standing there and he looks at the tracksuit. And then at the last minute, you just see him grab a jumper out of the cupboard and he puts the jumper on and then he puts a tracksuit on and he walks off. Grand final's here. Right, this is this is the big dance, if you will. <laughs> now, what I want to see is is that basically, as the players are getting ready, this is before Bevo's done it. They're just sitting in their own spots, and we see a focus on JJ. We see a focus on Bontempelli and Tom Boy and Easton Wood, and all of them 
are just going through maybe something that Beverage has said to them earlier in the year. You know, Dalhouse says, be there for other people. Boyd's like, just enjoy your footy. Yeah. And they're just, they're getting ready and then Beverage comes in. Now, I don't know if anyone's seen the footage that's come out recently of his Into the Fury speech. No, I haven't heard that's that. amazing. So, basically, he, he sits them down and they're all kind of nervous and he goes, we're here. We're going out into the Fury. Right, out there is a fire. We're marching into a fire and we're going into the Fury and we're going to win. Because Sydney, for all of their great players, they don't have what we've got, which is the Fury. Are you boys ready for an ambush? <laughs> it's just, yes. All right, before we finish up, Special Man wants to just say a few words before the game starts. And in comes Bob. He's struggling here. This is what he's wanted forever and his knee means he can't play. And he's trying to say what he wants to say and then he just... He just turns around and he goes, just stick it right up and boys. <laughs> and out they go. And now we get highlights of the game unfolding from Bob Murphy's perspective. Oh. Just watching the game. And we see JJ supporting his teammate, getting around the back, flicking off a couple of handballs and just taking off down the wing like the electric lightning machine that he is. <laughs> we see all these amazing passages of play. We see Bontempelli sidestep around a guy and then find Tom Boyd out of nowhere. <laughs> like it's just amazing. And then it's the dying moments and Beveridge is still shuffling things around. He's not calm. He's not relaxed. This is the most stressed we've ever seen him. And all the cheering and the noise just goes silent as you're watching him and it's passage of play. There's no cheering. There's no commentary. There's no noise. Josh Kennedy picks up the ball and he starts to run away and there's suddenly four Bulldogs players running at him. He thought he had more time, but he didn't. He thought he had time to wait because the Bulldogs let him think he had time to wait. So he panics and flicks off a handball to Buddy Franklin, the LeBron James of the AFL. Still no noise here, and Beveridge is kind of sitting in his coach's box looking up to see what's unfolding. And as Buddy takes two steps, Matthew Boyd, playing with a broken back, comes running out of nowhere, tackles Franklin to the ground, and the ball spills out. And we hear the crowd cheer, bang, clip it's a noise, da, 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 bang. And you hear the umpire call, like, blow the whistle. And then Beveridge watches as Tom Boyd takes two steps and picks up the ball. And you just hear him under his breath go, come on, come on, come on. And Boyd takes two steps, silently, bang, kicks. And you see the ball leave his foot. And the, it's, just, it's just silent, like heartbeat kind of thing. And then the ball sails through. You just see Bevo sitting in the coach's box, the crowd in front of him. You see the reflection of them standing up. And he doesn't put, pump his fist in the air. He doesn't do anything. He just smiles because <laughs> he knows they've got it. We then cut to the end of the game. Cheers. It's all just manic, crazy stuff. We get up. We have possibly the most heartwarming moment in football history where Beveridge gets up and he's given a medal as the coach. Now, only players who played in the grand final get a medal in, in the AFL. So even though Bob Murphy is the captain, he doesn't get a medal. So what does Luke Beveridge do? He gets up on that pedestal and he says, thanks for this, but I need to give this to someone who deserves it more than me. And Beveridge takes off his medal and he calls Bob Murphy up onto the stand <laughs> and everyone around Australia is crying and he hands the medal to Bob and we fade out to black. And then we come back in a few days later and it's Bevo's just in his office, just doing some stuff in the office and there's a knock at the door and he looks up and, and there's Bob. He's like, Bob, what are going to do for you, mate? You're going on holidays? Okay, here we go off soon. Um, I just want to have a quick chat to you though. I'm going to give you this back. And he hands in the medal. He goes, no, no, mate, no, I, I gave that to you. That's, that's yours. I said, no, no, it's not. I didn't earn it. That's yours. You got us here. And besides, get me one next year, right? <laughs> he goes, of course, mate, of course. He said, and, and Bob sort of stands up and turns around and he's like, 
We fucking did it, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We won a premiership. We are currently the best team. Have a good break, Bob. You've earned it. And Bob kind of walks out. And then the first sort of bits of Chase That Feeling by Hilltop Woods start to play. Yeah. <laughs> and Bevo kind of looks around the office, and this is a man who's just delivered a premiership to a team that was in the, in the wild wilderness for so long. He's delivered him a premiership. And he turns around and he walks over to a TV and he picks up a notepad and he turns it on and it's the Freo game from before the finals. The game where they were terrible and then they lost. And he watches the turnover and he pauses it and he starts taking notes. <laughs> and we just fade out from there. <laughs> the end. Fuck, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Um, yeah, like, you yeah, know, as Sir... Uh, grand final day when this happened was when Plumbing the Death Star got back from Sydney from their Sydney shows where yeah. we drove there and I literally got to my house as the medals were being given out and literally the first thing I saw was oh. um, yeah Luke Beveridge call up Bob Murphy and put the medal on and like I opened the like I knocked on my door because I was holding bags so I couldn't get to my keys no one came to the door even though I could see people sitting on the couch I was like what the fuck is going on in here <laughs> I got my keys opened the door and there was four guys just sitting on the couch just crying <laughs> there were, I was at the game and there were people just sobbing like this was the biggest outpouring of emotion I think in the grand final history yeah like, yeah. and I work near Footscray where the Western Bulldogs they used to be Footscray Bulldogs um, well yeah where they train and stuff like that and like I've never seen a community come together as no, much no. as... Well, what, was, what would you say it was earlier? 1954, was it? 54. Like, there are Bulldog supporters who, you know, weren't alive when they won a premiership. Or, you've, you know, you've got the older ones who, you know, yeah. haven't seen one since the 50s. And it was like, it was... It, it is, it's an underdog story. It's yeah. a, the true... It's under the quintessential story, yeah. <laughs> underdog <laughs> story. And, um, I mean, the closest thing would probably have been the Brisbane in 2001, right, with the old Fitzroy supporters who hadn't won one in yeah, the... Tr- no, no, do you know what's before that, more recently than that, is the um, Sydney... Or Sydney oh, winning, the bloods. Yeah. the bloods. The Bloods, yeah. And maybe Geelong 07 because it was like 50, 40, 50 yeah. years and there had been like eight grand finals where they just yeah. lost. And then we yeah. had to suffer through Hawthorne, Hawthorne bullshit. Four years. Oh. Garbage. Yeah, it was just like... it was. Unreal because, yeah, Western Bulldogs went into every game in the finals as underdogs. Underdogs, yeah. 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 They were never they, the favourite. They're that, they're that team that everybody was like just happy that they won. Peter Gordon had that whole thing too. He's like, we don't want to be anyone's second favourite team. Well, sorry, you're now everyone's second <laughs> favourite team because of this result. Yeah. No, it was, it was unreal. That won't last for long though. No, I, and this is the thing. It's, is it's, it like, they're everyone's second favourite team because they're, they're that battling club for years who haven't won a premiership. Well, here's the odd thing now though. Like, so that team, the list they had, shouldn't have won. Yeah. They've no, now got a better list than they did. They then. kind of did a bit of a Hawthorne. You know, when Hawthorne won in 08, yeah. like a little bit early. Like the Bulldogs have the chance. The only thing that's going to stop them is this AFL-made machine called GWS who have just had everything given to them. Although, although. Good luck stopping them. I reckon the pressure's on GWS and I reckon they might. They I think, might crack. I think last year needed to be their year. Yeah. And there was and no focus on them and they came out of nowhere. And also now- that's going to help Western Bulldogs' image as well because everyone is like, oh, GWS have just been fucking spoon-fed everything. Yeah. Western Bulldogs come out again. Even if they win back-to-back, they beat GWS in a grand final. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, club, the AFL's poorest club versus the AFL's <laughs> well, richest Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know when like a team hasn't won one in ages or perhaps never won one and it's like everyone's like, yeah, fantastic, great yeah, story. Yeah. GWS winning, people are going to be like, well, fuck you. Had yeah. it given, you well, know. there was that massive thing about what if it was the Sydney GWS Final Victorians would just be like not watching. Yeah. yeah, you've got you've got a team that's ripped the salary cap a little bit, and has poached like 
high-profile players because of being Sydney. The Bulldogs are kind of like the great white hope of football fans moving forward because GWS are like the clear premiership favourites this year. Um, and like outside of the Bulldogs, Weird, who's going to challenge GWS? It was Rocky 2 in real life. It was Rocky 2 in real life. And because yeah. the other thing, that was the prelim final. Yeah. That was amazing. And and I was talking to Bulldog supporters and they were like, I don't even care if we don't win the grand final because yeah. that was our grand final. They won a prelim in like years. That, I still can't get over Like I've never seen anything like it at this place I was at. Like we were watching on a TV that was like the size of a fucking laptop screen. Everyone was, was a, drinking. It was an amazing game too. Yeah. Clay Smith, the other thing too they got to mention about that game, Clay Smith is a young guy who'd hurt, done his knee, come back in, kick four goals and was probably the best on ground. His best mate had died earlier that week. Yeah. yeah. There and are he, just so many little things about oh. the Bulldogs throughout the whole and season. I, I couldn't put them all in. Yeah, you couldn't even fit them all in. Um, I just request that over the closing credits you just get Libra on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> just photos of him like, shaving his head and playing footy for the Bali, like, you know, Wallabies or something. Oh, well. Anyway, so that's, that's my Sons of the West football Pitch. Beautiful. Channel 7, please. Pick it up. Um, and for those of you who don't understand football, I'm real sorry. Just just go to afl.com.au, <laughs> uh, go to last year's grand final, and just watch the replay of the grand final. Yeah. It's, yeah, or it's... just YouTube, like, Michael Voss highlight. <laughs> no, no, no. Michael Voss, yeah. What, no, what you, need to, what you need to YouTube is you need to watch Matthew Boyd tackling Buddy Franklin, which is that last passage of play I spoke about. And he yeah. played with a broken back. Yeah. One of his vertebrae was broken. And it, it didn't that's come amazing. out until that's, that's after the game. Like, During yeah. the po- pre, like, post-match interview, they're interviewing him. He's like, you're right. He says, now nah, my, bra- my um, vertebrae is broken in my back. It's real sore. Well, it's kind of like, do you guys remember, <laughs> you remember when um, Nigel Lappin played in the grand final with broken, like, broken ribs. ribs and like a punctured lung? Yeah. And he still played. And yeah. then they got to the end of the game and he's like, I'm having a bit of trouble breathing. And it's like, she's fucking lungs. Fuck it. Well, apparently, apparently in the lead up to that, Lee Matthews just kept hit running into him. In the, well, yeah, because he was injured coming into the match. And Lee Matthews, who's like this sort of legendary coach in the AFL, was kind of like, I'm not bringing anyone in who's not 100%. So, just so we're going to fucking ribs. smash you. And they had this guy, Aaron Shattuck, who was like one of our, one of our reserves. And he goes, I want you to just fuck him up for like 45 minutes. And, and he, he did. did. Cannon into him, broke his ribs, punctured his lung, but they didn't like pick up on it. And so he played the grand final. Mm. And Apparently it, his ribs were already broken though. Yeah, I think they had that's a crack in it. Were, yeah. I, they had a crack in it, but that's they were like they properly broken. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like, oh, it's just ridiculous how players play through that. Ackermanis, like tore yeah. his hamstring. Um, in like Stevie J's knee in 11 is the, is the crazy one. Yeah. Um, it's just absurd the levels that people go to. And the stories that come out afterwards, like, man. It is football is a good sport just for a- just the sheer entertainment of it. <laughs> yep. Um, if Again, Chris Hemsworth goes to the Bulldogs. That's another reason. He could play Eastern Wood. What did you see? Oh, yes. <laughs> did you see his commercial yeah, thing recently? He plays the Bond. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> he um, could be Eastern Wood, you know. He could be Eastern Wood. That's, That's my good. name, Star. There you go. Well, anyway. he was in Rosh, so he's... Uh, He's on board for a sporting film that no one cares about except for a very specific group of people. And he's a Bulldog supporter, so he's even more on board. Got Hems- you got the Hemsworth brothers. That's half your team there. Yeah. Luke could play, I don't know. Dalhouse, give him some dreadies. Yeah. <laughs> he could play Libba. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> All right, look, I reckon, I reckon that's enough football for one, for one episode. Uh, so on that note, uh, I've been Tom. I've been Joel. I've been Sean. Um, and if you have any questions about <laughs> Affle, um, or, the, or want to know more about the Bulldogs' rags to riches story, uh, send us an email at sandspantsradio at gmail.com or tweet us at sandspantsradio or us individually. I'm at Awkward Treed. I'm at Douche13. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. And that's all she wrote, folks. Perfect. Thanks. Centimeter perfect. <laughs> hey.
If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com.